All right, what's going on? Welcome to Kennell and Bell on this Friday. Yeah. Big weekend we got to get to. A ton of stuff that we want to hit on. We got a game to react to from last night as the NFL was underway. Um, I'm actually going to Austin, Texas for LSU, Texas. Yeah. We're going to have a pre-game show live from out there for uh, right here on CBS, uh, CBS Sports HQ. I can't wait to go. I've never been to a game at Texas in the regular season. I've covered some of their uh, spring games, yeah. but I've never been there uh, in a regular season game. It's going to be a crazy environment out there for sure. Um, I'm curious. No, I was thinking about this last night. What sport do you enjoy watching the most with your family, like when you're taking in games, is it NBA? College football. Is it college not even, football? Not even close. Really? College football. Interesting. Huge events at our house, college football games. Big ones, like LSU, Texas, Miami, Florida. It doesn't even have to be the Hurricanes. Like if they're big games, like we're, we're around a TV, people are over, you bring out a little bit of a spread, like those are our, like, uh, events. Right. Yes. I, I would, I would echo that. I think it is because last night I was sitting on the couch with my daughters. We were watching the Bears Packers yeah. game. So we were watching the pregame festivities. The Meek Mill was given the concert that everything else. One of the weird things though, I have to say this. Did you see what the announcers were wearing? I don't know if you caught the beginning of the game. I did not because it's the hundred year anniversary. They were dressed like a hundred years ago and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were wearing like real baggy, like almost zoot suits yeah. with old school hats that said press on them. Too much. It was way doing too much. Michelle Tafoy was on the field, like dressed like a 1920, like it was, yeah, 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 yeah. it was, it was weird. <laughs> Just a side note on that one. I don't know whoever okayed that idea yeah. might want to reevaluate that one in the future. Um, that was not the only thing before we dive into that game. Cause it was ugly. There's not a lot to break down from that game. Our boy. Antonio Brown has been one of the most talked about players in the NFL over the last, what, month? Yeah. You know, month, month and a half, month two and months. A half, two months. Even before yeah. that, it goes back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, I would say six months. It's, it's been going on for three years, baby. You can go back to when he was Facebook live and from the locker room. Right. He has always been. And the, the sad thing about it to me is he's such an incredible talent that I think he's really starting to harm his legacy where people are going to forget just how good he was because they're going to, it's recency bias. All you're going to remember is the headache that he has become. And that's exactly what he is now. And the Raiders are at a point where they've said, you know what? We have had enough. And I thought you, Raja Bell, had an outstanding point yesterday when you said you can find them all you want. 54,000, 154,000. It is chump change to a guy who's made that much money. If you want to hit him where it hurts, take him off the field. Yeah. And that's exactly what they've done, suspending him. They've suspended him already. Um, here's the question for me, and this is because I saw Drew Rosenhaus talk this morning. There's a scramble, or they haven't suspended him yet. But the question for me is, are you going to have the stones to do it, right? And it's essentially what I was saying yesterday. Like, you postured like you're going to do it. Like, you're talking a good game about doing it. Talking and actually... Like talking to talk and walking the walk are two different things. So when push comes to shove and we're sitting there on Sunday and we got a Monday night game against the Broncos and, you know, we're behind closed doors and I believe there is, you know, you said something yesterday about Gruden having this acting job on, on yes, on hard knocks. Now here's my, this is just my take on it. I don't know. I, I do believe he's annoyed by it. I don't believe that he is aligned with Mike Mayock in the way they feel ultimately about Antonio Brown. Mike Mayock looks like he's ready to, Get off of it. Get rid of it. Right. He ain't the one that's got to go out there and win games. They're not that good. John Gruden was the one who won at AB. Like, I don't see him, while he's annoyed, I don't see him at the point where he's ready to say, give us our $30 million back, we don't want you here, or you're not playing it. So I think there is a, a bit of a, 
of uh, power struggle within that organization. And so my question becomes, do you get the stones to do it? Cause that's the only thing that, that's the only thing that's changing behavior there. Like, cause if you let him walk, right, you find him, ultimately, you talk all this talk, you let him walk, you let him play, you're not changing behavior with that. No. He's the same dude. The only thing you could do is suspend, and if that doesn't work going forward, cut bait. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Antonio Brown is done as a Raider. I think this, the reason you're seeing it now, the timing's interesting, because if they suspend him, he's not active for week one. Once he becomes active for week one, it guarantees his salary for the entire okay. season. So that's where I think, and this is where I thought Mike Mayock's letter, and this is where Antonio Brown, his stupidity was on full display. When he put out this letter and was complaining about getting fined by his bosses, if you looked at the language in that letter, that one phrase at the end, uh, discipline for engaging in conduct detrimental to the club, that should have been a red flag for Antonio Brown and for Drew Rosenhaus's agent saying, uh-oh, they're using that terminology. That is them so they can start compiling all of this information and take it to any sort of grievance and say, see, this is why. Because NFL, the contracts aren't guaranteed. If you are a veteran and you're on the squad opening day, all of a sudden your salary becomes uh, guaranteed for that year. Right. But they can start saying, all right, see, here is just the start of it. And they'll go back and say, the Mike Mayock, the interaction, this is crazy. Antonio Brown going into his office, having a screaming match, challenging him to a fight reportedly. Vontez Perfect having to break it up. Him punting a ball and saying, find me for that. Like, why don't you find me for this? That's another one. Conduct detrimental to the team. Some of it happens across teams, across leagues. But I think the, the Oakland Raiders are trying to cut bait and they're well, trying why to not just, why not just cut him then? Well, because that's where it becomes interesting. Because the guarantee, you know, the guaranteed money that we talk about, yeah. um, the signing bonus that is there, right? So that is guaranteed. I think they're going to try to recoup some of that. I think they're going to try to recoup as much as they can financially, and say, you know what, we made a massive mistake. We're going to try to save as much money as we can in this process. And what, that's where I think when you saw Mike Mayock address the media yesterday, it was very short. Uh, it was very, you know, just it was hey. We'll give you more information when we can. Because you know what I think the Raiders are doing? Consulting with their attorneys, consulting with their salary cap experts, looking at all their options of how they don't make a critical mistake, where if he's active um, you know, on the 53-man, it could cost them a lot of money. So they're evaluating their options right now. And I think – and Drew Rosenhaus is Antonio Brown's agent, is trying to make the case that he can still salvage this. I think this thing has been an ultimate disaster, and I think it's best for all sides just to, to walk away from this. Now, financially, Antonio Brown, it's not the best for his interest, right? but I think it's a disaster already, and it's not going to get any better. So you're saying that I just need to take what's in front of me <laughs> at face value, right? Because the tea leaves would say, like, if you're if you're – you're describing a situation, then I would say that the Mike Mayock thing is essentially a setup. Going at Antonio Brown in front of the team, you know what you're going to get out of that. And while on one hand I would say that's irresponsible of you as like an executive, you're not supposed to do that. Like you're supposed to be putting fires out, not not igniting them, right? But if in in your case scenario, you would do that to get the reaction that you got out of AB, so you could continue to build this folio of information of him being. Con, uh, uh, presenting conduct detrimental to the team to support your case when you cut bait with him, right? Right. Okay. So in that case scenario, yeah, maybe it's a setup. Maybe I'm just being no. But like, you you were on to something. I thought that yesterday. I thought Mike Mayock, who is because that's that's so stupid. Oh like, yeah. For for you to do that, like a, a a general manager's job, like executive's job, is not to be out there, like essentially 
causing suspensions and, and having your team be less in a position to win. It, it's to put the talent on the field, not necessarily to take it off the field. And you have to know right. that that personality put on blast like in front of the team, what response? You have to know that. Oh, yeah, you absolutely do. Right. I thought yesterday I thought maybe there was a case where Mike Mayock felt like his authority as the general manager was being challenged and he had to step up and not get walked all over. And I did think there was a portion of me that was like, man, I wonder if Gruden doesn't care about Mike Mayock's authority. He's the head coach. He wants to make the call on this. Right. And that, you know, once Antonio Brown challenged and disrespected Mike Mayock, then he took it to that next level. And I thought there was a piece of me that said, man, maybe Gruden just says, hey, I don't care about you. I need my player on the field. Right. But ultimately, when you start hearing some of the things, and when you hear uh, John Gruden, his quote on AB, I've been talking about one person every day. I don't have much to give you other than he's not here today. When we have an opportunity to give you more information, we will. Respectfully, I'm emotional about it, and I hope you understand why. Antonio is a great receiver, and I think deep down he's a really good guy. I'm frustrated. I'm not going to say any more about it. I hope it all works out. I don't know. The first opening line, I've been talking about one person every day. I think he's had it. I think he's tired of faking it in front of Hard Knocks and backing Antonio Brown, and he's been burned in just this short window, just this offseason. He's been burned time and time again. When he's on Hard Knocks saying, I love you, man, I got your back no matter what, I think he was hoping Antonio Brown would come around right. once the helmet issue was solved, once everything was done, that Antonio Brown would show up and want to go to work. And I think he's realizing quickly, John Gruden is, oh, man, he's never coming around and just buying into what we want to create. That that could be the case. I I tend to believe um, that there's a disconnect between Mayock and Gruden to some degree. I do think that Gruden is going to do everything he can to have Antonio Brown on the field. Mike Mayock, I feel like, and I don't know Mike Mayock, and I'm not. I, I'm criticizing the way he handled this situation, um, not the job he's done overall, but the way this was handled. For, first of all, I know that, like, y- you have to put together. A, a letter with some language that supports what you're going to do as as an organization so that it's on file, right? But when you put that in someone's chair or wherever you've left that, it's not just for that person. Like you're you're letting every you're essentially putting them on blast. Everyone in the locker room walks around and is like, "Oh, Danny got a pink slip." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Raj got two pink slips. Like so, you are letting everyone in the locker room know these are these are things that that Antonio Brown has never dealt well with. He's never done well with being put on blast, whether it's his fault or not. I'm not excusing him from the, from his actions that get him where he's where he is, but when you start challenging him like that, you know you're going to see the worst side of Antonio Brown. So it's it started to some degree with that private conversation with AB. Hey, listen, you haven't been where you need to be post helmet situation. We go up to Ontario or wherever we are. Why aren't you at the practice? You know we got to find you for that. It's coming. Just be aware of it. It'll be taken out of your check. And I don't know that they didn't do that. Well, but, see, that's my thing. I bet they had those conversations, and they said to AB, hey, we don't want to do this, but we're going to have to. We need you here. We need you to buy in. Okay. And that's where I think they but got so to then, So then why, why – like, that, that letter – doesn't need to be laid out. Like, you don't need to have everyone there understanding what the situation is. That was private between you and AB. There shouldn't be a situation where AB could capture it on his phone and, like, and send it out to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You deal with that individually. Don't send the letter I'm saying to him. Don't you, do it. But you if have you, to. No, you don't. Yeah, but I think, but if you're the Raiders, you want to protect your What well, have it. Mind. You got it. I mean, you got it. I think, had I think you have to show it to the player. I think you have to put it out there so that he's aware of the fine and of. Send it to his agent. Yeah. There are ways to do that so he doesn't have it 
in on his person in the locker room so he can have an emotional reaction to it. And I don't mean to be an apologist. I'm just saying from Mike Mayock's perspective, you've incited this too. Like you haven't handled it well. So it, it, after that, Danny, you come back and he puts you on blast through the media. That's a very childish, irresponsible, non-professional thing to do from Antonio Brown. You know what you do? You double down on it and go, uh, like, confront him in front of his teammates. That's not what you're not supposed to take things personal like that as an executive and a general manager. Your job is not to get in there into a beef, into a pissing contest with your, your star wide receiver, whether he's a good dude or not. That's not your job. Don't go in there and, and continue to further, like, this, 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 this situation. You're trying to put it to bed. Let's get rid of it. We find him. I'm not talking to you about this anymore. You mess up again. I've already told you what I'm going to do. And your agent has the letter supporting what we're going to do. Keep it moving. But no, you go, you find him in practice, right? You, you make sure you got an audience and you run up on him and you get what you know you were going to get out of it. That's, that's not a good job on make Mayer's part either. Do you think this is salvageable? Because I don't yes. think it is. Yes, you do. Yes, absolutely. You sound like Drew Rosenhaus because Drew absolutely. Rosenhaus, his agent, uh, was gave a couple interviews yesterday, and he said, "And this is Drew Rosenhaus, I'm trying to work it out. I'd like him to honor his contract with the Raiders. Clearly, he does because he wants him to get paid. Play this year, have a great season. I think that's doable. There has yet to be a suspension. Nothing is final yet. I've been in touch with Gruden, Mike Mayock. We're doing our best to work this out, trying to keep this relationship moving in a good direction again." Uh, I don't think it is. Listen, I've seen coaches uh, try to fight players. Coaches, yeah, I have too. Co- I've seen co- I've seen players and coaches scrap, yes. you know, or, or get really close. That's the only person that AB has to see every day. He doesn't have to see Mike Mayock. Mm-hmm. Mike Mayock, you need to first of all, like, stay in the like, stay in the background. Like, don't don't come down here inciting these types of situations. Stay up in your office. Communicate with John Gruden. The only person that AB really needs to see is John Gruden. So I only say that to say that if players and coaches can fight and come to blows and almost fight, and I can watch the season continue to go on and everybody's fine, like a potential fight between Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock is not going to seal his fate there. Now, if if they suspend him, and now they've got grounds moving forward that if he makes another mistake and, and, and messes up, they can get rid of him, that's a different story. But I do believe that he will play for Oakland at some point this year, and whether it's game one, game two, and if he makes another huge mistake, maybe they cut bait, but they're going to get him back on that field. How much? But see, here's why I don't think it would be. Uh, how much confidence can you have if you're the Raiders, how unstable this situation has been, that what else you it got? just goes away? What else you got? They got their money that they want to save. That's why I think they're going to try to cut bait and save as much money as they they can as opposed to risking that $30 million. Raiders worry about some money? No, but I do think that, I, I think they're worried. What are they going to do with the money? What about the distraction of what it does to the team of Antonio Brown and all these antics? Because I think that is a very real issue too. I I don't disagree with you. I'm saying that at the end of the day, he's too damn good, right? And they got draft picks hanging in the wind and all that that they had to give up to get for him, right? Or to give up to get him. Um, I, I at the end of the day believe that his talent is still good enough that you are going to put up with that, right? And I, I don't, I'm not telling you I support it or not. I'm telling you I, I watch it a lot. I see it all the time. Like when that talent isn't, so if he has a bad season this year and he's not the same player, he won't be able to get away with that anymore. But this year, right now, I think they're going to do whatever they can do to get him on that field. You know who I think is partially to blame for this is the Steelers in their organization because I do think this was normal, acceptable behavior for Antonio Brown when he was on the Steelers. And yeah, he might have been fined, but as you mentioned, a fine doesn't have any teeth in it. It doesn't change behavior. I think Antonio Brown missed walkthroughs. The last walkthrough he missed, and they said, you can't play. Right. But if he had that expectation and his agent calls and said, hey, why can't he play? He obviously had done that before. Right. And I thought in Mike Tomlin's own words, he held their organization hostage. Antonio Brown did. And that's why he said, we're glad we don't have players anymore hold us hostage. That's on you. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, and again, they made the wise decision to get rid of him for pennies. Like they didn't have to, they didn't have to give up very much. They got a trade. They said, all right, we're going to get him out of here. We're just going to cut our losses and move on. And this is where I think there's a disconnect is Antonio Brown has probably been treated a certain way as one of the best receivers. And the Raiders have taken more of an old school approach saying, no, 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 no. Not only are we going to do this, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find you. But if you've taken it to this level, we're going to suspend you and maybe even look at cutting you where I do think Antonio Brown has to look himself in the mirror and say, what do I want to do? Do I want to continue playing football? Cause if I do, I need to respect my team, my coaches, and the authority uh, figures, which he clearly has struggled with. Well, um, I, I have a few thoughts. First of all, if the Steelers were run that that poorly, and we talk about them as one of the gold standards for when sure. franchises are run, then that's a whole – that's just a smoke and mirrors thing there because that's train wreck. If you were letting him get away with that, then you had utter chaos. That's train wreck of, of, of an organization and the way it was run. Secondly, I don't believe that to be an excuse for Antonio Brown. This is an Antonio Brown problem. Not a Steelers creating a monster problem. This is a person who has no regard for anybody else. He's got very little professionalism. He might be a great wide receiver on the field, but the way he conducts himself off the field and as a teammate is deplorable. And I don't support anything he's doing. I want to make that frank. Like, it, it, quite frankly, it gives, it gives brothers a bad name when you're out there acting like that. Like, that's not a good look. All right. On the third, on the third thing I'd like to say about it is, if you are Oakland, and again, this goes to Mike Mayock and the whole whole way this was handled, you have to know what you're getting. Yeah. You have to know what you're getting. And if you need that to be productive for you, you have to understand how to work around that. You know what I mean? Like, you have to know what stimulates, as a coach, as an organization, you have to know what stimulates Danny, what stimulates Raj. Like, what? how do they work? Like, what don't they work with? And, and to some degree, you got to be willing to bend to get the most out of your player. Um, if you thought you were going to bring this personality in who's had these problems and put him in this old-school structure, my way or the highway, one mistake and you're out, then you were the dummy for taking him in the first place. Oh, they clearly misjudged the entirety of the situation. They did not realize the headache that Antonio Brown was going to be, but we've seen it happen time and time again. Organizations, talent is enticing, yeah, oh, dude. and they cannot pass on it. And they think, hey, he wants a new contract. We'll pay him more. That'll keep him happy, and then he'll fall in line. We'll change him, and it fails every The money just time. empowers you to be more <laughs> of what you are. Like exactly. It's not changing you, and he will play for the Raiders, Danny. I'm going to say he doesn't. So we'll, we may have a little side bet. We'll, we'll do a, a dinner or something on that. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell hanging out on this Friday. Uh, last night we did have week one of the NFL season kickoff. The Packers beat the Bears 10-3. I'm still mad at myself. Although I don't feel that bad. So I took the Bears laying three. The Bears were the yeah. point favorite at home. I knew their defense was filthy. I didn't have a lot of confidence in Aaron Rodgers and that system, the new system. So I took the Bears. And I'm like, man, I can't believe I got a uh, bet against Aaron Rodgers. I don't feel like Aaron Rodgers beat me. I think the Bears were just way worse than I thought they would be. So I don't, I don't think I was on the wrong side necessarily. I, feel I lost. I was on the losing side, but I don't feel like it was a horrible play. I feel like I'm on the wrong side. I picked the Bears yesterday when the NFC. I'm definitely on the wrong side. Like, is that, I had a we do like an overreaction segment because I overreact to a lot of stuff. Yes. Like, like, Joey, let's get an overreaction statement. I'm off the Bears. <laughs> yes. I, uh, if you could edit on Twitter, I posted all my picks division winners. I didn't pick them to win the NFC, but I did pick them to win their division yeah. i would probably edit that one and put it in another team maybe my boy kirk cousins and right. but i don't feel that great about the packers either right, right, right. like neither side impressed uh offensively both defenses were super impressive the bet that i passed on that i'm still kicking myself was total sacks were five and a half in the Ooh. game there were almost 10 i think yeah. in the in the game total both quarterbacks were getting hit a lot it was sloppy it was ugly 
the prevailing sentiment after this game was, see, this is why we need preseason. I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. All right, let me ask you this. Because the Bears didn't play their guys at all. Mitch Trubisky, zero snaps in the preseason. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't play yep. at all the preseason. Would you rather have an ugly game in week one, or would you rather be without Aaron Rodgers for 16 games? Oh, I understand that. I got you. And it would be the first-case scenario. I'd rather see the of ugly course. game in week one. Um In the NBA, uh, baseball, leagues where you're playing 80-plus games, 100-and-some games, and one game doesn't really cost you, at the end of the day, all the time, whether or not you're in the playoffs or not, you can afford a few coming out of the gate slow. The NFL is way more condensed, and that one game usually is the difference between you making the playoffs or not. And so I don't know how much you should play someone in the preseason, but if, and I think Sunday will tell us, because um, you'll get to see some of the quarterbacks who did play in the preseason and a lot more quarterbacks who didn't play in the preseason. If the theme is that the ones who haven't played all look bad in week one and they cost their team a little bit, then I think you have to play with the idea of getting them some preseason reps. They do make a difference in your play. To your point, not if you suffer a catastrophic injury, like obviously the season is derailed, but you don't have as much margin for error when you're dealing with NFL seasons. I think this is going to be really interesting to see what coaches do moving forward because you bring it up an outstanding point. This was a divisional game. Could have a massive impact on the end of the season. Both teams did play ugly, so it's not like you had one. But both quarterbacks, neither one took one snap in the preseason. And I think that was a big reason why they were sloppy. But I do think at some point there is going to be a coach that says, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. It's football. It's dangerous. We could get hurt in practice whether we're playing live in the preseason or not. You might have a significant edge there if you do that. Now, it'll be interesting to see how some of these analytics play out where if you do have a team, let's take the, um, I'm looking at the Bills. Uh, I'm looking at the Bills. Josh Allen took 57 plays. It's towards the higher in the preseason. 57 plays is not that much. Right. But it was still among the higher numbers. What did Tommy Brady, Patrick Mahomes take? Tommy Brady played 26 plays in the preseason. He dropped back 12 times to pass. What was your other one? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes played, I'm trying to find this one because I have this interesting chart that was put up, uh, 30 plays. So that's, I think 30 to 35 plays is an acceptable, normal amount to get your kind of feet under you and then to get them out of dodge. Like get them out there, have them play, get their feet wet and then get them out. Like I think there's a balance. I think zero, I think is probably risky. Right. You don't want them to come in totally cold, but I would sprinkle them in there, get them 25, 30, 35 plays. And just kind of hold your breath and say it's a rough sport. If we lose them, it's the worst case scenario. That's probably not going to happen. It would have been really interesting for me to see if if uh the difference between Trubisky um, and Aaron Rodgers last night. If Aaron Rodgers was under Mike McCarthy's old system that he knew like the back of his hand, um, because I I I believe that the older quarterback, the more experienced quarterback, needs a lot less um, of a preseason uh, workload than the younger one, right? So. Maybe they both looked a little, and, and, and Aaron Rodgers wound up finding his rhythm a little bit, and he was yeah. the difference in that game. But if he had been in a system that wasn't brand new to him, cause this LaFleur system is new for him, if he had been in a system that he was really comfortable with, you might not have seen, uh, any rust at all, because he could come out and just, you know, done what he's done forever. Just right. wah, 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 wah. Right. And so Tom Brady and those guys, 
probably not critical that you get them over, you know, 30, 25, 30 snaps a preseason, just something to get the blood flowing and stuff like that. But a Mitch Trubisky, a guy who you're not sure whether or not he's taking the next step as an NFL quarterback, they have to get reps. Like they need reps in the preseason to come out sharp because you could be dealing with this case scenario now where, you know, it might take him three or four games to get in rhythm uh, uh, for a regular season and your chances could be gone. Right, for sure. I, I do. You know, it's funny because this new offense, the drive that the Packers scored on, it was more of what you described. Aaron Rodgers kind of making plays. Yeah, sure. Getting outside the pocket, flipping the ball out. Yeah, I mean, he is, he is uh, special at doing that. And that was obviously something that saved Mike McCarthy, their last head coach. And it was a reason why Aaron Rodgers was getting frustrated. He's like, Hey, I'm doing this all the time. Well, Aaron, if, if you want to do that, then play within the system. Right. And you'll see how it goes. Um, but I still think it's way too early to tell on other team. Although I do. Mitch Trubisky is supposed to take that next step this year, right? Season three, it's year two with Matt Nagy. Uh, You're supposed to be, you have some weapons to work with, this incredible defense, and it was less than impressive to say the least. I have massive concerns about Mitchell Trubisky being the quarterback that can take the Bears to the next level. I'm more worried that last year was an anomaly than that's going to be the norm and these Bears are going to be a player for the next two or three years. I desperately need Mitchell Trubisky to take that next step and show me something. Um, yeah, I think not only you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I'm not the only I one think, saying that either. Uh, the the uh, Matt Nagy needs him to Nagy. What is it, Nagy? Nagy? Nagy. Nagy. That's my old teammate. Come on, uh, man. my bad. My um, all of Chicago probably needs that too. They were booing him in the first damn half. Um, the you heard the I don't know if he was a DB or safety or cornerback from from Green Bay come out and say after the game that they were. Their game plan was to make Mitchell Trubisky play quarterback. Yeah. That's concerning. Right. Like, if that is what He's more comfortable tucking it and running and scrambling than he is progressing, going, all right, I'm going to drop back. I'm going to read this out. I'm going to get to my check down. It just, he looks like he's ready. He's a little, uh, antsy with his feet. Yeah. Uh, indecisive on some of his throws. Like, one of the best throws he made was to Allen Robinson, who had over 100 yards receiving, when it was a, all right, you're throwing this fade, and that's all your really option is. Because he knew he was going to step back, five steps, it's gone. Right, now, But you can't hold his hand every single play and say, all right, you're going to take this this route, and that's it. Well, that was the other thing that stuck out to me, and I, or it stuck out to me, and I look, I don't know offense like that, but it really looked like they were protecting him in the balls that he was throwing, right? Like, yeah. I talked about the young quarterbacks in preseason, and a lot of their throws, like for the Daniel Jones, yep. for, for, uh, you know, Kyler to some degree, for Dwayne Haskins early, like they were little easy throws. Get it out, get it out. And then when I watch some of the bigger batter boys play, they're, they're back there and they're rifling it. Like they're throwing the ball. It didn't look like they had the confidence in Trubisky to do that. Like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, didn't look like their playbook was wide open, if that right. makes sense. Right. And I don't know that or not. I, it didn't look like it. I thought they were protective of Mitchell Petrovsky. Much like they were last year. Last year were they able to, they were able to get away with it, uh, because their defense was so good and their defense was still good. Right. But the Packers defense, I think, is going to be better than we thought. But ultimately, that's my concern with Mitchell Trubisky. Can he take that next step where the Bears can truly trust him yeah. to say, all right, we can call anything in the playbook at any time? I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. I think they're a long way That's got to be concerning. That. All right, let's go through some NFL okay. picks for week one. Biggest storylines of the week, Ezekiel Elliott back. I do think he plays. I think he'll probably be on a, some sort of a pitch count, how many plays he can go. But the uh, Cowboys are a home favorite. Uh, favored by a touchdown in this spot. It's a pretty big number for an NFL game, even though the Giants aren't expected to do much. 
I'm going to take the Giants as a home or as a as a touchdown underdog in this spot. I think I'm going to side with you against my better judgment. Uh, Look at that stat we got up on the screen. The Giants are seven and zero against the spread in their past seven road games. How yeah. about that nugget for you? Get I, a little more confident. I think the Giants are. I don't know that they're going to be a great team this year, but I think they'll be game early in the season before they know like that they're not a, a really good team. Um, and so I think they'll come out. I think it'll be sloppy from Dallas's perspective a little bit with Ezekiel Elliott not having been there. I'm going to take the the Giants with you on the road to cover. Very interesting nugget that Joey put in here. Uh, it's reported that Dallas is hoping to have a deal done Ooh. with Dak Prescott by Sunday. So somebody's going to be happy going to the stadium, uh, into Jerry World on Sunday. I do think they do too. I cannot wait to see the numbers that are out there. I think 30 is a very fair number for both sides. $30 million a year for Dak Prescott. It's not the 35 or 37 that maybe he could command if he really wanted to play hardball. But I think Dak... We'll take take kind of the team, not discount, but like a fair deal okay. as opposed to trying to break the bank. But we'll have to find out those. We'll get those two on Monday if that indeed does happen. Good for Dak, too. A fourth-round pick against all the odds, gets the deal. Hopefully it happens, and we'll get you updated that on Monday. Rams, L.A. Rams, on the road against the Panthers. The Rams have been reported to no restrictions on Todd Gurley, right? We were worried. There's been reports. Right. Uh, arthritis, knee, disappeared in the playoffs. They're saying he is Full go in this spot. Rams to cover went by a field goal. Um, I don't know what Cam's situation is with the with the leg. He's uh, fine. Is, Cam's is he? back. That's why I'm taking the Panthers, there baby. You go. I, I'm a home Panther dog. Fan, so I hope you're right. But I'm going to take the Rams. I think the Rams went by three. I think the Rams have a setback this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, of course, appearing in the Super Bowl. Um, Jared Goff gets the new deal. I don't know. There's a Super Bowl hangover effect of somewhat to the losing team. I am buying that with the Rams, and I think the Panthers. Uh, are going to have a resurgent year this season now that Cam Newton is fully healed from the shoulder and the uh, leg injury that he had in the preseason as well. I'm going to take the Panthers there playing at home. Uh, Titans at Browns. Your boys. I have a feeling this is your squad this year. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns, they got Odell Beckham. They got Baker Mayfield, Landry uh, Jones. They got so many weapons to work with. Are you buying them in this situation as a five-point favorite? against All day long. Dog pound, baby. The Browns are going to come out. They, they are that young, brash team. There's always one in a sport that hits the ground, and they're trying to prove something to someone. Like It's not just about the Super Bowl or the, the, the NBA championship. It's about making a statement. This is the statement team this year. Did you see the uh, the press? The vi- It was a video. I don't know where it was, but Odell Beckham was talking to the media. And he said, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not ready to open it up yet. He said, I'm not full speed yet. He has right. a hip issue yeah. that he's talking about. Does that concern you no. at all? No. Not at all. No. From, I'm concerned. What does it mean throughout the course of the first half of the season? I'm not concerned about this game. I think they handled, I think they win and cover against the Titans. Uh, Chiefs versus the uh, Jaguars. Our guys, we both have them as the Super Bowl champs this year. Interesting spot. Nick Foles debuts as quarterback for the Jaguars. Uh, against the Jaguars defense a couple years ago was one of the best in the NFL. Couple like. years ago. Yeah, that is couple true. Years Last ago. year, not quite as good. I think this is a disrespectful line, and I'm not a better, but I think this is disrespectful to the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs plus uh, with the points. I was trying to find Nick Foles played 18 snaps in the preseason, didn't play a ton. John D. Filippo is reunited at Nighting with. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think, I think the Chiefs are legit. I think they're the real deal. I think they put a stamp on this one as well. Uh, as a field goal favorite, I think they cover by a touchdown or more. Um, Colts versus the Chargers. Colts are a 
six and a half point underdog. No one has given them a chance. Uh. I like Jacoby Brissett. I think he's going to have a better year than most people think. I think he's going to be comfortable in that system. I'm going to take the Colts here with the points. I'm going to fade you. Um, I, I like Jacoby Brissett too, and I do think the Colts are going to be an interesting story, and they'll be better than people think they'll be. But I like the Chargers at home, even though they don't have Melvin Gordon. I, th- I still think they cover the six and a half. I'm going to give you a chance right here, last one, yep. <clears throat> to get on my guy's bandwagon. Falcons on the road in Minnesota. Against my guy. Julio Jones doesn't even know if he's going to play. He's got a contract and what it's going to do. You going to go with my, my Vikings as a four point five? I am going to go with yeah, the Vikings. there we go. Kirk Cousins breakout <laughs> game this season. I'm telling you, dark horse MVP, Kirk yeah. Cousins. Watch okay. Out. I got over a hundred to one long shot odds on that. I take him at, at that he's value. Always going to be there statistically. If he could just get over that hump and have a big game, please, Kirk Cousins, do it for me so I don't look foolish be- for backing him all these years. That'd be fun to see a new player there too. Welcome back to Canella and Bell on this Friday. We just went down our NFL picks. Pretty good slate of college football games as well. Some pretty big matchups could have playoff implications. Uh, absolutely in play here. I am headed to Austin. Told you that at the beginning of the show to watch LSU take on Texas mm-hmm. out there. This line has been crazy. Uh, coming in most of the offseason, LSU was like a two-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Then a week before the season, Texas was favored in this game. Then LSU goes out, wins their first game, puts 55 points up against Georgia Southern. It has swung all the way around to where LSU is a touchdown favorite. This, to me, is remarkable, the movement on this line uh, in this spot. Texas beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And they let everybody know about it. And all SEC fans said, well, Georgia didn't want to be there. That's all Texas has heard this offseason. Uh, who do you like in this one? This is a tough one for me because um, I don't know if that 55 is is sustainable against better teams. Like I know it shows you that they're a little bit more wide open, but I don't know if that's a number they're going to be able to hang up consistently. I'm going to take Texas because I think seven is a lot of points. And Texas has a point to prove, uh, I believe, because they're, they're trying to get one of those Big 12 teams or another Big 12 team into the, uh, into the college football playoff. I, I don't know. This one's a tricky one. There's so much money coming on LSU. Uh, and I, I, like, I don't know if it's smart money or if it's just everybody buying into that first week hype. I'm going to go with Texas as well. Tom Herman, the head coach at the University of Texas, is outstanding as a dog. His record as an underdog is actually better than when he's a favorite mm-hmm. uh, in covering the spread. I actually like the Texas Longhorns in an upset. The outright really? upset. Yeah, right. I think LSU, we've heard for almost a decade now that they were going to have this new offense. And, yeah, we saw some of it, but that was against Georgia Southern. Correct. What are they going to do if they have – a touchdown lead? What are they going to do if they're trailing by a touchdown in the third quarter? Are they going to stay as aggressive or going to stay as open as they always have been? Or are they going to go back to being a little bit more conservative and saying, hey, let's rely on that defense? Um, my worst nightmare is if what happens last year against the Canes. Remember, LSU, that game was built up to be this great game. Yeah. LSU dominated them. That's my hunch is why this this line has massively gone LSU's way. But I think Texas is better than Miami was last year. Clearly that's And they're the at Texas. Like that game last year was, was <laughs> neutral site. Yeah. yeah, it was a Jerry World. Mm-hmm. Uh so that one there in that spot. Uh Texas A and M, Texas rival, is going on the road to Clemson. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence looked human in week one, had a couple interceptions in that game. Texas A&M, Kellen Mond, their quarterback, had a really strong performance. They've been running the football. Did you see Texas A&M's offensive lineman, their guard, 
guaranteed a victory. Yeah, that's not a good look. Not a good look at all. If you're Jimbo Fisher, like, and he actually did say, well, he better have a good game. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that was his comment. Right. Well, he better play well. Um, 17 point favorite Clemson is at home in this spot. This is a tough one because I want to put you on upset alert again. Ooh. I do, but I don't believe A&M is ready to do that yet. Um, I think Clemson is going to want to prove a point to A&M. Uh, some of the talks, some of the reasons you just alluded to, the guard talking about how they're going to beat them. So I think Clemson comes out and rolls A&M. And, but uh, oh. part of me. No. Yeah, Clemson. There, I think it's a smart play. Yeah. I do too. I think Clemson, uh, the, this line has come down. I think it's even some plots you can get it at 16 and a half. Uh, there's been more money coming on Texas and M. I think the thought process is, man, that's such a big number. You know, Clemson didn't look that great. This is a top two, you know, top 15 teams squaring off. This game has to be closer. That to me is fool's gold. I think Clemson is legit. I think they're every bit as advertised. I think they're, I think Trevor Lawrence does come back and don't forget Travis Etienne. They might even rely heavily on him. Mm-hmm. He had 205 yards rushing against Georgia Tech in that first game. So I like Clemson here as the home favorite to pull away and all of a sudden be, Oh, what we were worried about. Like right. there's a reason they uh, are favored by almost two touchdowns in every single game this year. And if they do lose, watch out because SEC fans will be obnoxious <laughs> as ever. If they do uh, Cincinnati on the road at the shoe against Ohio state, Ohio state is a 15 point favorite in this one. Yeah, this is interesting because Cincinnati is a little better than than uh, beat UCLA yeah, opener. A little better than your average bear, but I'm not a buyer of UCLA, so I don't know how. Qu- I mean, it's quality, but I don't know about that. Um, I think Ohio State ultimately is going to be. I like the kid uh, Justin Fields. I think yep. he's a better passer than people give him credit for. Uh, I, clearly, he needs to grow and be groomed. Uh, but what he can do with his legs, what they have in terms of skill positions around him, I think they covered 15. I'm going to take Cincinnati as the dog here. I like Justin Fields too. Um, I thought he was, he was really good against FAU, but it's FAU. Cincinnati's a really good team from the American Conference. I think they could be this year's UCF. Obviously, if they pulled off the massive upset, they would be absolutely carrying that banner saying, Hey, what about us for the playoff? I don't think they win the game, but I'm going to say Ohio State wins by two touchdowns, which would not be enough to cover. That's in state too, bro. Or That's in state. It's not rivalry, but it's in state. Ah. Oh no, it is. Uh. But here's the thing to reminder. Luke Fickle coached Ohio State. Okay. He's going against his old squad. All those players on Cincinnati probably wish they could have played Ohio State. True. You don't think they want to prove to everybody and well, their families and the crowd and the coaches at Ohio State, I should be playing that's there? That's the dynamic every FIU and Miami game or FIU Florida State or FAU, and none of those are within 14 points. No, they definitely, there's a reason they're not playing there. They still want to prove to them, but there's a reason they didn't get those offers. Um, so I'm going to take Cincinnati in that one. Um, Florida State, we won't even pick that game. I think Florida State wins. It's 22. It's a weird number. They're going to cover that. Uh, you think they will? I don't, I think they could win by three touchdowns and come out like a point short, which is why I just don't think it's worth touching All it. Right. Your Hurricanes, though, I think are at a very interesting spot for Manny Diaz. Beat it. They got the loss. They cannot go 0-2 to start the season. Mac Brown gets a win. The Tar Heels, you chalk that one up as a W at the beginning of the year. All of a sudden, it's that much more interesting. Five-point favorite in Chapel Hill on the road. You're really trying to sell me? <laughs> I am. So I, Miami. But I thought maybe there's a chance you, you could, could have win. You could have all the Jordan gear in the world. Come out there in your Carolina blue Jumpman, Jordan cleats and all of that. You're going to get smacked in the mouth on you know, Saturday. Believe that. Hurricanes to cover that five. 
Oh, all right. I need to hit up my man Mac Brown for some of that Jordan swag. Your I boy? need some of those off white. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, yeah, we he need recruited some, we need some gear. at North Carolina. We ain't go. We go way back. We ain't go. I need to go. No, Maybe that's why he'll be. That's why like if you would have gone, we would we would have sending you some gear. <laughs> you would otherwise have to ask. not going to get it. No, I'm going to take Carolina to cover in this world. I think they're better defensively. This team is more talented than their record was last year, as South Carolina found out. I do not right know You're what my thirsty. Is You're get. thirsty right now. You're oh, no. Yeah, that's what you are. Oh, uh, my man Max, send me some of those J's, man. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take UNC in this spot, getting the All five right. points. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell finishing off this week on a Friday. Bold prediction well, I time. Wish you would. Here we go. I wish you would. You know what I said about Serena? I said she's not going to win another major. What I, t- what I tell you, child. what was my bold prediction like a week and a half ago? You when said the she US was going to do it now. Right now. In New York, at the U.S. Open. She has made it to the final. She has looked impressive. She's looked like she's on a mission. She's looked good. But you know what? She hasn't faced Bianca Andreescu. Not many <laughs> people say, have. Man. How old is she, 19? She's 19. Yeah, See, here's story. the thing. Good story. Good story. A lot of these people that she that Serena's been facing, some of like the 23 to 28-year-olds, they're all intimidated by her. My girl Bianca's not intimidated. She's a power hitter. She's going to go toe-to-toe and knock Serena off. Serena hasn't really been challenged that much in this U.S. Open. That, to me, is the big concern. Conditioning. Where is she in a match where they need to go two hours? I think she's going to struggle. I'm calling the outright upset. Bianca Andreescu. I think that's how you say her name. But I'm taking it. You, Don't hate. You, I'm not hating. I, say, I told you, you so to on is, Monday. You need to bottle that up. All right. <laughs> go have a have a like motivational session with uh, Bianca Andreescu. Okay, <coughs> she needs that more than I need. She don't need anything. I ain't listening to none of that. She got all the motivation in the world. She's gonna be uh, Serena. Uh, don't need two hours to handle Bianca Andreescu. This right. is gonna be a power match. She's a power hitter. All right, come get it. You're facing right. the best power hitter of all time. Serena is gonna make sure work of that. Six three six two. All right, we'll see. I'm going to call it U.S. Open Championship. I'm going to say a three-setter. Uh, the upset is coming. All right, my old teammate, Clinton Portis, played with him in Denver with the Broncos. Great dude. Love him. He's a hurricane, even though he is a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, he was a really fun teammate, a guy that uh, really fun uh, personality, pretty funny dude. Also liked to get after a little bit. Yeah, he's yeah. a character. Yep. Uh, likes to get after it somewhat. This, to me, was the least surprising thing I saw, and it wouldn't really surprise me for anybody in any sport when he was telling the story, he was on with uh, Bleacher Report uh, doing this little expose, and they asked him about um, the Hennessy shot that he took before the game with Sean Taylor and Santana Moss. And he was like, yeah. And he's like, but that wasn't even a big deal because we weren't really hammered. It was just kind of just to take the edge off. Right. And then he told a story about when he was on the Broncos his rookie year where he was sick from the Friday night before. This is how crazy this is. That's they got wild, after it. Though. Still hurting on Sunday, was getting sick before the game. Shannon Sharp, he was going to go in to tell Mike Shanahan, I, I can't go today. And Shannon Sharp had to pull him aside and say, no, 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 they don't care if you're hungover. You need to come deliver. Right. So he started, like, sweating it out, trying to go do sprints so he could get it out of his system. Then actually goes out there, hungover like a dog, 228 yards rushing and two touchdowns, hungover sick as could be. That's not surprising to me. Like, I look, some of my – best games in college and you know like I, I know guys you know we go out like you can play on a on a hangover that's not a big deal so the numbers aren't startling uh or surprising to me the fact that you were hung over two days that's the most party, that's the most alarming thing that is crazy because when i heard this first time i was like well how did he go out and party the night before a game because usually i have curfew right you got a team hotel even if you're a home game you'll still go stay because they they don't want you partying the night before a game 
That, to me, was the eye-opener on this one. Not surprising at all because Friday night is a big night out That's in the NFL. Nuts. Saturday is pretty low-key. All you have is a walkthrough. I used to come in the huddle and walkthroughs at any team I've been on, yeah. and you could smell the stench of alcohol in the air. you got some guys that are hurting still, maybe right. just came to practice straight from the club. So that's totally understandable. But usually thinking, hey, you can sleep it off the entire day Correct. and then show up the next day. My man CP just still getting oh, after I, it. I hear you. Um, and that one. So a funny story from that one. Not surprising at all, though, to say the least. Jerry Jones joked on uh, Wall Street when he was uh, he was ringing the opening bell or something about how he's $100 poor because he gave all this money. This was, I'm going to use air quotes, contentious negotiation. Yeah. I think he loved every single minute of it. I think Jerry he knew exactly what was going on. Well, he loves some Jerry. He loves some Jerry yeah. more so than anybody. And some Cowboys. And it was all good even for the Cowboys and Jerry. So remember the conversation when he said Zeke who? And the reporter thought it was hilarious. And then Zeke's agent say he didn't think it was funny. And right. he said, I earned the right. It was kind of all this thing. Jerry unveiled a T-shirt he had custom made. For Ezekiel Elliott on the uh, introductory press conference when he signed his new deal. This is pretty classic Jerry Jones. I don't think Zeke loved that. I saw you, I saw, you that, saw his reaction? I saw it live. Um, I don't think he loved it. I think he played it off. Really? I think, I think he played it off pretty well. And then when he turned it around, I think Zeke was a little like, all right, I, I, I get it. But I don't think he loved it. When he first saw that T-shirt, his initial reaction was not like, ha-ha. Yeah, the front of the shirt, Zeke who. The back of the shirt, that's who. You know who's going to love this shirt? Every Cowboys fan. That's the thing. This will be on sale. Yes. Their opener against the Giants, and people will be snatching this up off the racks like crazy. Boy, squeezing a dime out of everything. Good for him. (laughs) Hey, Zeke might not have liked it, but he's got fifty million dollars, fifty million reasons why he can get over it. If that is the case, once you call me Zeke, whatever. Now, (laughs) exactly. You can call me Zeke, whatever. In any case, there, uh, whatsoever. All right, finish off the show. Little shoe showdown. We had a controversy. I won last week. With the Travis Scotts. You, you did. Pretty fresh. You yeah. did. Uh, but so, like, if you're going to just continue to bring the Travis Scotts, we might as not, well, not do the show showdown. <laughs> no, but like, showdown. I'm going to pick and choose, like, when I think I need them. Oh, when you need them, when you need them. Okay. Don't, like, if you go to step up your game. All right. Well, what you got? What you got? Well, let's hold on. Before we get to that, we got to look at some of the releases that are out right. there because the NFL. Uh, has several players, and I am thoroughly jealous of these players. And I think all players across the league are going to be jealous of these yeah. dudes. Some are breaking out the Air Jordan 1s. Yo. These are pretty sweet. Yo. So you got um, Tyron Matthew of the Chiefs. Yeah. I don't think his color's up there. Earl Thomas of the Ravens. You see some purple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey of the Eagles. Oh, these are left to right? So the Chiefs are gonna, so the Chiefs are gonna, so yellow. Tyron's yeah. gonna be rocking the yellow. yellow. They got some yellow trim. Yeah, in they there. absolutely do. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't thinking of that. Maybe it's a, also a shout out to his LSU Tigers there, uh, for the Honey Badger. Who's the purple? Uh, the purple would be Earl Thomas, the Earl Raven. Thomas, yeah, okay. Then you got Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles. Eagles I like those. Green. Yeah, with the silver on the bottom. That's good. Yep. Michael Thomas, the Orleans Saints with the gold. Yeah. Those are pretty thick. They look like patent gold too, those right? A little yep. shinier. Yep. And then the green topped off by Le'Veon Bell. Uh, of the Jets. The thing is, of these shoes, the lows, I don't like the lows. I don't think the lows, you can hardly even tell they're Jordan 1s. Like, well, barely. Well, because of the color, the color, uh. Yeah, the color scheme is all right. one, one color. I got my young in the black and white ones yesterday. They're all white with the black trim. Yep. In the low tops. They're fire. Now, has he worn them yet? He didn't go to practice last night because he had to study. Um, what? Yeah. What kind of priorities you have in the Bell household? What's well, going on there? There's some, there's some, practice. If you, there's some other stuff going on here. But oh, last man. night he had to study, so he stayed home. Gotcha. Um, he'll be at walkthrough tonight in his ones, 
and I think he likes them more than the 11. So. All right, what'd you bring today? Because I went outside the box. I brought outside some of the, the Jordan golf shoes right here. Now these are fire. I know you're jealous. I know you wish you had a pair. I love the little Jumpman logo on the back. You can see the Jordan golf right there, and these are comfy too. This what? is a no contest. Oh, really? these are the these <laughs> I fumbled. hold them. These are the Giannis's. Original, I mean, aren't that original fresh. colorway. I'd go buy those freaks. today at Foot Locker. Ah, you can't fresh. get these. You can't get these orange ones today at Foot Locker. Our boy Ruben, these were the original release. Oh yeah, of course you. Giannis. Joey votes Giannis because he's a basketball <laughs> dude. Doesn't have any appreciation for these golf ones Maybe right here. You might want to come back Man, out with I the I Travis Scotts. All right, enjoy. Bring the those every week. This weekend, we'll let you know who won on Monday. See ya.